I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Lieutenant Joe Pangaro here. So we have a new movie out that I want to talk about. And you think, what's a movie? You know, it's a big deal about a movie. There's lots of movies out, you know. We, we go to see a movie to enjoy ourselves, to, to relax, to go uh, see something exciting, right? I went to a, a, a movie uh, just the other day with uh, Mrs. Lieutenant Joe. Uh, and while we're waiting for the movie to start, you know, they have this, these very long uh, processes now. I haven't been to the movies in the actual in a movie house in, I don't know, before the pandemic, I guess. And the place by me is really cool, the movie theater. It's an AMC theater. Uh, it's been there for a long time. And they renovated it several years ago. And they put in these reclining chairs. Now, they might do that by you, too. It is really great. Reclining chairs, these leather chairs, they're very comfortable. Uh, really, really very nice. But as we're waiting for the movie to start, it was a 4 o'clock movie start. And we got there at 10 minutes of, and there was, you know, this entertainment playing. They do, uh, it's pre pre-planned stuff. They put it up there, and they're telling you jokes. They're showing you... So stories of movie stars, you know, keep you entertained while you're waiting. Well, come four o'clock, now comes the previews, and we get, you know, 20 minutes worth of previews, which is usually not bad. I don't mind the previews, because I like to see the movies that are upcoming. But this whole time we're, we're watching all this, we're saying, okay, um, and the point was, is that uh, an actress came on, and she said, you know, we go to the movies because it's thrilling. It's better than watching it in your living room, though that's convenient. When you go to the movies, you're moved by the music. I mean, it's loud. You, it's a visceral kind of a feeling when it's an action scene or when it's a, an emotional scene, right? The gigantic silver screen in front of you. Wonderful. So me and Mrs. Lieutenant Joe Kathy, we went there. And it's the movie, actually, that I want to talk about. Because the movie is being, I, I don't want to say suppressed. That's not the right word. The movie is being slow rolled and we'll talk about maybe why so if you haven't guessed already uh the movie is called sound of freedom sound of freedom it's by uh, angel pictures uh, they are a group that puts out uh, spiritual kind of movies um, inspiring kind of movies angel productions i think they're called and the movie sound of freedom is based on a true story of Homeland Security Special Agent Tim Ballard. Tim is an interesting young man. The uh, story of the, that gives us the sound of freedom is one that is horrifying, and it's about human trafficking. Now, this movie was interesting. When we went to go buy the tickets, you know, Kathy has the, uh, the app on her phone, right? Where you can go in, you can buy the tickets at the theater, you purchase them online, they send you a link on the phone, and then when you walk in, you just show them the thing on your phone, and you go. It's very modern, very modern way to do it. Well, she goes in there to buy these tickets, because we heard the movie was playing there. And what it said, we, you know, we said, well, tonight, well, maybe not tonight, maybe we'll go tomorrow. And it said, we can't guarantee the movie will be here tomorrow. You can only buy tickets for today. We can't say this movie will be here tomorrow. Now, that's strange, right? When a movie goes in, whether it's a, a hit or a flop, it's there for X amount of time. It's there for two weeks. You know, Top Gun comes on and it plays for two weeks in the theater, whether three people go in or whether it's packed. 
This one, and I'm not saying AMC did this. I think this is from the the producers or whoever's sponsoring and putting it out there. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is AMC did it. I don't know. But to say that it may not be here tomorrow, we don't know. Right off the bat, I thought that was strange. I had never heard a thing like that for a movie. Now, maybe it's common. Like I said, I haven't been in the movies for a long time. So the idea of this movie is that this young man, uh, Special Agent uh, Tim Ballard, he was working, uh, he came out of college and he had a degree in uh, military weaponry and uh, military intelligence, all this kind of stuff. He, he was a pretty good guy. Right after 9-11 happened, he was recruited by the CIA to join them because of his understanding of uh, weaponry and all that kind of thing. And he ended up being a guy who went after terrorists. That was his job when he joined uh, the CIA first. Well, over the course of time, um, he was asked if he would head up a new a, a new area of concern, and they were going to look at human trafficking, child sex crimes, and things like that. And he agreed to do it, and that led him to move to Homeland Security as a special agent for Homeland Security, and that's where he was. And his job was to see if he could find any connection uh, to child pornography or child sex trafficking in the United States. Well, in 2016, I think is what he was saying, in 2016, the laws of the United States changed, and basically, uh, federal law enforcement officers could then go to other countries where they found American citizens either engaging in sex crimes with children, or if they were importing pornography, or if they were doing uh, pornographic downloads on computers and stuff from around the world, they could go after American citizens if they had a connection to some other country. So long and short of the story is this man ends up um, getting involved with a case where a little boy and a little girl, brother and sister, were stolen from their father uh, in Honduras. It was a ruse to get these children to an area uh, they told them they were going to do a photo shoot, and these kids, you know, these poor kids living in, in this poverty uh, could be beautiful supermodels and maybe could be movie stars, and they were from a, a production company, and they were looking for these kids. And the parents brought these kids down, and then they said, okay, parents, you have to go home, come back at 7 o'clock tonight or something like that uh, when we're done because we, we have the kids and we can't have the parents hanging around. Well, what did they do? As soon as all the parents left, they took the kids, loaded them up, in trucks, got them out of there, put them in car in a cargo uh, box, and shipped them by ship out of Honduras to other locations where they were sold into the sex trade uh, world. Now you say to yourself, "This is horrific. This is horrifying. I, I I don't even want to talk about it." So the question then is, why is this movie not being talked about all over? Now you're hearing it on. Uh, more conservative locations, you're hearing it from me, uh, because I, I find this to be, in my career as a law enforcement investigator, I came across these things. They are more widespread than we ever want to imagine. And they say that the United States is the number one consumer of child pornography, uh, whether that be downloads, magazines, books, uh, engaging in sex with children because there are places where you can go in America where they will provide you with an underage person to have sex with. There, there's these bastions of these places. Now around the world we know there are sex vacations that these pedophiles can go on. 
they can go to uh, various foreign countries where you set up your your tour to go over there and you tell them what your uh, you know you don't do this online you say oh, listen I'd like to have a tour where I have sex with ten year olds that's not what you book you book the tour into the country. And when you get there, there are people that they interact with that tell them, okay, what are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for a little boy. I'm looking for a little girl, 10 years old. Uh, three days I'll be here. And they procure cure the child. You're in a hotel and they bring the child to you for money. And basically, they sexually assault these children for the weekend. And then they fly back home to America. Now, when you think about this, they one of the reasons, I listened to a, a great podcast um, where we had... The, uh, the special agent was on, uh, and also Jim Caviezel, the actor who portrayed uh, Tim in the movie. Jim Caviezel also played Jesus in uh, The Passion of the Christ, so you would recognize him from that. He's really a very talented man, good emotions he portrays. And in this movie, uh, and I don't want to give away, I'm, that's why I'm kind of hedging on what I want to tell you. I don't want to tell you the whole story, but this uh, special agent, in the movie uh, and in real life, Tim, uh, Tim, uh, what he did was he got involved with this brother and sister who were kidnapped and sold into slavery, and he ended up finding the little boy. And then, of course, the little boy says to him, "This happened to my sister. Can you help find my sister?" And then he has the decision to make. He has a moral decision to make. His bosses uh, are telling him, "Listen, here's the bottom line." Unless there's a connection to either an American going to a foreign country to engage in these crimes or an American child has been kidnapped and taken to one of these countries or the crime is going on in America, we can't allow you to go to Honduras uh, to look for Honduran children that are being exploited in Mexico. You know, there's no American connection to that. And basically, uh, Tim Ballard, the agent, had to make a decision. He, he found the little boy and he wanted to find his sister and he wanted to save as many kids as he could. And he ends up t talking to his wife about it and she's a very spiritual person and they have six children at the time of their own. And him and his wife have a conversation and as Tim says in this podcast, he goes, listen, I was kind of hoping that my, my, my wife would tell me, you know, hey, you did what you did, come on home. You know, your family needs you here. But instead she said, then quit your job and go find those children. And he said he was shocked by the answer, but not that shocked. He says she's a good woman. And when I told her what I had seen, what I was experiencing, the horror of these children being taken and sold into slavery, uh, she said to me, now that we know about this, we have to do something about it. And she says, and you will be, um, you will be ruining my chances uh, to go to heaven and stand before God uh, when he says, hey, uh, you knew about this. What would you do? You had a chance to do something. Your husband had the ability to do this, and you told him no. So she says, you quit your job. You do what you got to do. You save those children. And it's the story of what he does and how he ends up saving children. Well, in real life, he saved hundreds of children. Uh, and, and the story itself is a beautiful story. It's, it's hard to watch at some points. It is. Uh, there's nothing nothing sexually graphic of, of watching them rape children or anything. But there's certainly the the insinuation of what's going on there. And it's it's really creepy and horrible to watch. And then when you know the facts that this is really going on today in America and around the world. 
I think in the movie they tell you the statistic is it's a uh, $150 billion a year industry, the uh, illicit sex trade, uh, human trafficking with uh, children, young children, young women, young boys, uh, not, not to even mention the adult women who are dragged into the sex trade. And you say, okay, well, why wouldn't this be? This is a true story. We have a true person. We have real cases. And when he was with the agency, when he was with Homeland Security, one of the things they did was when they did a raid on these places, they video recorded the whole thing. So you can actually see some of the raids that they went on. And here they're rescuing these little children, right? Why wouldn't everybody uh, jump up and down and say, hey, we have, to, we have to open our eyes, right? We knew this was kind of going on, you know, Epstein Island, all that kind of thing. We knew this is kind of going on. But, but here you have someone now telling this story. And we should all do what we can to try and save as many of these kids to, to stop it from coming into America, stop Americans from doing this. Uh, whatever we could do, you think people would really jump on board with that. And instead, there's been a, a pushback. Um, the theaters, it's the number one movie in America. It's beating Indiana Jones, number five, which is, you know, everybody loves Indiana Jones, but it's quiet. Nobody's talking about it. They're not reviewing it. They're not uh, holding uh, big things. They're not talking about what is. Matter of fact, our friends on the left, not all of them, but lots of them are defending not talking about it. So you say to yourself, why Why would they not want to talk about this and, and, and support what this movie is trying to do? And when you listen to the producers uh, from Angel Films and you listen to uh, Jim Caviezel and, and Tim Ballard, what they're trying to say is we're trying to use this movie to make people aware of what's going on so that we dedicate resources to this so we can try and save these children and stop this this is evil my friends this is evil stealing children and and utilizing them for uh the sex trade and we're talking little kids five six seven eight year old kids uh boys and girls being used this way it is such an ugly, dark side of humanity that maybe that's why they don't want to talk about it. Maybe that's why they don't want this to uh, to be pushed forward. That's I, I, the only reason I could think of that could have anything, and I don't want to say legitimate, but anything where, okay, that's why they don't want to talk about it, because it's too ugly, it's too dirty, it's too disgusting. But the reality is, if we ignore this, then we close our eyes to those little children who are suffering right now. There are children in our country, okay? And here's another reason that I'm thinking they don't want to promote this movie. They don't want to talk about it. How many millions of unaccompanied, underage children have been brought across our border in the past couple of years where we don't know who the adult is? Because that's racist to ask. We don't know how they're connected to the children. You just hate people because they're from other countries. This is what's being said. So we just let these children come pouring in the door with people. We don't know who they are. We don't know that they're being dragged here. We don't know that they're, they've been kidnapped. We're just bringing them in because that's the plan. Bring in as many as we can. Eventually, they'll vote for our friends on the left. In the meantime, they're bringing these children into America where they're being shuttled around the country and they're being used as sexual playthings for perverted people. 
and we know about it, and if we close our eyes to it, then we are just as guilty as everyone else. Now, I wish that I could put a, uh, put a, a badge back on and go search for these children. I wish they would let me do that, but I can't at this point in my life. But what we can do, what we can all do, is we can go and watch this movie. We can demand that it be reviewed. We can tell our friends about it. That's why I'm here on, on, this, on this network, this powerful network that goes all around the world to talk about this. I saw the movie. It was emotionally devastating. And it was very well done. And it was also, it offered some hope when you saw the goodness that uh, Tim Ballard and agents like him that are out there in the field today are trying to do. And this is one way we can open our eyes to it. We can demand that something be done. You know, I would say, I know Homeland Security and, and probably FBI and a couple other places, law enforcement agencies have um, human trafficking task forces. That should be an agency all on its own. We should have you know, 20,000 agents working day and night to try and find these children that are in America and recover them. So I was going through uh, some news feeds and I saw a video that has come up now because of this movie, because it's out there, uh, where a guy last year was uh, stopped for DWI. And in the back of his truck, he had six underage children. And the guy was drunk, and as they describe it in the story, and his zipper was down in his pants. Now, that could be a salacious part of the story, um, but the reality is, uh, you know, it's true. I've stopped a lot of drunken people in my in my career, and a lot of them have their pants unzippered. You know, they pulled over, they went to the bathroom, they forgot to zip up. It's as simple as that. And they get in the car, and this guy was drunk. He was arrested for DWI. Well, when the trooper, who was, you know, Johnny on the spot paying attention, says, you know, who are these kids in the back seat of this, this vehicle? And he says, oh, they're my friends. Now, this guy was 42 years old. And he says, oh, those underage kids back there are my friends. And he says, who are they? He goes, oh, they're 18. And he apparently the trooper's looking at this young girl and says, well, she's not 18. There's no way that that girl is 18 years old. He gets brought in for DWI. The kids get brought into, you know, safe, safe. We don't know who these kids are. And they call all their parents and they try and do what they can. It turned out that the one girl, the young girl, uh, made allegations that this guy sexually assaulted her and he was charged with multiple counts of sexual assault. Uh, this goes on right under our eyes. People are out there. You know, that's where, this is the whole thing about Epstein Island. You say, ah, you know, come on. These rich people flying to an island, going in by secret boat, hanging out. These are really just rich guys hanging out with each other on a beautiful island. But then when you have these young women who were there, who were 13, 14, 15 years old, and they're saying, no, we were there uh, and we were made to have sex with these people. Now, no names have come out. Isn't that funny? Uh, Giselle Maxwell, is that her name? Uh, was Epstein's girlfriend. She's in jail. We still haven't seen her, her notebook that tells us, you know, who was on the island. She has all these notes. We haven't seen it, uh, but somebody has. Uh, where's that investigation? Is there an active investigation? I don't know. But this is where an island like this, where you have these people, and when they all got pictures with their arms around these young girls, uh, they're just being friendly, right? This is a horror 
This is an absolute horror, my friends. Go see the movie. Uh, in my town, they were running it 10 o'clock in the morning, 11, 1, 2, 4, 7, 8, and 10 for one day. It was in the theater for one day, and it stayed a second day now because uh, there was a lot of people in the theater. It wasn't full, but it was half full at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And this is the way that you can help bring attention to this absolute horror on humanity. And they keep repeating um, a, a quote out of the Bible uh, from Jesus. And I'm going to probably get it wrong, but I think I got the right thing. You would put a, um, what do they call it? Uh, the big stone, the grindstone. Better, I would put a grindstone around the neck of anyone who would harm my children. Right? So you might not be sexually assaulting, uh, ex uh, assaulting or exploiting these children, but now we know about it. And we have to all try and do something about it. We have to demand that whatever agencies are looking into this look harder. Do more. Finance this. Let's find these children and bring them back. So Tim Ballard, who was the agent, um, he ends up doing this full-time now. Uh, as a private person, he works with organizations that donate money. Uh, there's a lot of uh, people out there with money who are funding him so that he can go find these children. And he's found lots of children, brought lots of children home. It's, it's really a wonderful thing. So uh, I, I just wanted to talk about that today. I want to make sure I brought that out. That's how important this is. Um, you know, the sound of freedom. Go see the movie. Don't let the powers that be that are, for whatever reason, slow walking out this movie, being in there, trying to get rid of it, keeping it silent, not talking about it. There's got to be a reason. And like I said, I think the reason is they don't want attention brought to it because then we will look right at our southern border and say how many of those millions of unaccompanied children that have been brought across the border are today, right now, in your town being sexually assaulted by some pervert, by some animal who's defiling a child for their sexual pleasure. And now we know about it. And it's going on all over the place. Like I said, as a detective, I came across human trafficking. I came across these kind of things. Only even then there was a human trafficking task force and we were just starting to learn about it and understand. And it seems unbelievable. That's part of the problem. It, that This can't be. This Epstein don't have an island where these rich people go have sex with underage people. That's ridiculous. But it's been documented. It happens. And that's why this Tim Ballard, that's why his team used to video record this so they would have proof of this because it sounds absurd. Like it can't, it's a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy theory. Nobody would really do that. It's a right-wing conspiracy theory because they want to talk about the border. Well, doesn't it fit that if they don't want to talk about the movie, they want to shut the movie down? They don't want the movie publicized? Why? You have to ask yourself, why? This is children we're talking about. This is children we're talking about being exploited in our country by other Americans. We have to do something about it. Go see the movie. Go see the movie, Sound of Freedom. All right. You know, that was pretty heavy. That was pretty heavy conversation. Um, I'm glad I saw it, but I want to tell you about it. So there's other things we're going to talk about. You know, so maybe lighter, but not so light, along the lines of law enforcement. Why don't we do that for the, for the end of this part of our, uh, our first part of our, our episode today? Um, 
there was a trooper. Let me go to my pages of outrages here. Uh, there's a trooper, a North Carolina trooper, Jeff Dunlap. Uh, and I guess early, early in, in the summer, he had stopped a car with a guy in it, and they got into some kind of a, a, a conflagration, the driver and this trooper. The driver pulls out a 44 caliber pistol, you know, kind of like the one 30 Harry used to, this is the most powerful handgun in the world, right? And he shoots the trooper dead in the chest. Now, when I say dead, I mean directly. The trooper did not die. The trooper had a ballistic vest on, which stopped the bullet. And the trooper was able to uh, survive getting shot with this massive round. And he returned fire, killing the criminal who did this. Well, the trooper, uh, they just announced that the, the prosecutor's office, district attorney, uh, that does the investigations on police-related shootings, looked at the whole thing uh, based on the evidence they saw clearly on the videotape, uh, the trooper will not be charged. Uh, the case is closed. Uh, the bad guy's family was notified, hey, your guy's dead because of his own actions, and uh, the trooper will not be charged. And I, I want to say, hey, Trooper uh, Dunlap, not good job because you killed someone else. Good job because you did the right thing and you protected yourself, and you were in the right. We have a right to protect ourselves when someone tries to hurt us. So, trooper, Thank you for doing your job. Thank you for sacrificing every single day. North Carolina, that's where he's from. North Carolina trooper. Thank you for sacrificing uh, out there. You could be dead today. Your family could not have a husband and a father uh, because you're out there doing your job to protect us, right? Just like the guy in our movie, uh, Tim Ballard, was out there protecting children. So was Trooper Jeff Dunlap. So golf clap for Trooper Dunlap. I think that's fantastic. Um, what else? What else? Um, okay, here's another another case along that line uh, to go with the child uh, trafficking. There was a 16-year-old girl in Florida, and she met a man online, a 42-year-old fella online. And she was picked up. She made arrangements to meet him um, in South Carolina, and he drove to Florida. I'm sorry, he met her in Florida, and he drove to South Carolina with her. It was only because of a random car stop uh, that the officer approached the car and thought there was something strange uh, about this guy and this, this young girl in the car. And turns out that when he did some checking, he found out that the girl was reported missing out of the state of Florida. Uh, her family, her parents, whatever, reported her missing, found out she had met this guy online uh, and wanted to go and meet with him. And this guy came and picked her up and was taking her to South Carolina uh, to God knows what would have been her fate. Uh, but here's, here's this guy, 42 years old, has a regular life, was driving an Audi in the story. According to the story, he has an Audi. Uh, I, seen, I saw his, uh, his mugshot picture. Uh, he looked like a regular person. He looked like uh, not a street person, looked like a regular person, probably had a job, had an Audi, had a life, and he was going to find... Uh, underage girls online went and picked her up in the state of Florida and was taking her to South Carolina for God knows what. Sure, maybe he was just going to have his way with this young girl. Maybe he was going to keep her in captivity. Maybe he would have killed her. I don't know, but I'm glad she's home as well. Great job to law enforcement out there. We'll be back in a minute and we're going to talk politics when we come back. <laughs> 
World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody. Welcome back. So for our second half of this fantastic get-together we have here, I do have my pages of outrages, and we, I'm going to talk politics. I appreciate you letting me uh, vent there a little bit about the movie uh, and what we need to do, but um, before I veer off of that completely, I want to tell you uh, a little bit about... Uh, of course, you know I'm going to talk to you about Healthy Cell products because I think they are fantastic. I thought it was great. If you listened to uh, a previous episode, we had Jim Giordano, the uh, the the uh, guy from the neighborhood, on, and he's been taking the Focus Factor, and he really it says it really has been helping him. He was starting to feel a little cloudy, and he says, "Hey, since I've been taking it, you know, I think three four weeks by now." He says, "I actually do feel a lot better," and I take the Healthy Cell uh, products for the uh, for the immune boost and. I've told you a hundred times how much I like it. So I'm telling you again, if you're looking to sleep better, they have something for sleeping. If you're trying to get, you know, get that fog out of your head, take a look at Focus Factor. And they also have the Immune Boost, the Healthy Cell products. I like them. So I'm telling you about them. All right, so the, um, during the break, Miss um, Kathy was telling me, she goes, tell them the story, tell them the story when you're talking about, you know, I said, I don't want to go too much about the human trafficking, but I'll tell you a quick story uh, of a different kind of human trafficking uh, that I got involved with. And then we'll move on to politics today. So if you'll indulge me for a couple more minutes here. So I was, I was a detective and it was in the early evening. Um, I think it was in the fall. And we get a phone call of a, of a robbery of a Chinese food store. It was kind of one of those pickup places. It wasn't a restaurant. You didn't go in and sit down. You ordered food and you went there and uh, you picked up your food. Well, the entire crew that worked in there uh, were Chinese. They were Chinese people. They spoke Chinese. Um, they, From what we could tell, they had come from China, you know, and they came to America and they were making their life here. And that's what it kind of looked like from the outside. Well, when I had this investigation, uh, somebody had come in with a gun and robbed 
the store took the money and took off. Now, they had no cameras. They didn't have cameras every place back in the day when this happened. So I go in and I'm talking to this young woman who's the manager. And she spoke very broken English, but enough for us to communicate that she had been robbed. And she described the man who came in and that he had a gun. He pointed a gun at her and wanted the money. She knew, she understood that. She handed him the money and he ran out the door. And they were all afraid they were going to get hurt and this and that. I said, okay. So I said, listen, I need to take a statement from you uh, and anybody else. Can anybody else here speak English? And she turned around and she said something in Chinese. And everyone that was there, there's probably about six or seven other employees who were kind of gathered around while I was talking to her. She said something to them. They all just turned around and walked away. Nobody said anything. They just went back into the kitchen area. And she says, no one, no one, no one, just me, just me. And I said, okay, so you're the only one that speaks English. Uh, I said, I can get a translator, you know, uh, trying to understand there's different dialects of Chinese, right? There's Mandarin Chinese and this and that. And I'm not a language expert, but I knew there was different kinds, just... Like here, talk to somebody from Alabama and then talk to somebody from Jersey. You know, you need an interpreter sometime. So I, was, I could get an interpreter and she says, oh, okay, uh, I, I, you know, we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. I said, okay, I need you to come to the police station uh, and I'll have an interpreter there to interpret for you so we can get a statement out of you. Is it good for tomorrow? And she looks around. She doesn't know what to say. She picks up a, a pad of paper. And it's a name on it says Tony with a phone number. And I could recognize the exchange was a New York City exchange. And she says, call Mr. Tony. I said, okay. So I call Mr. Tony and get the guy on the phone. He speaks English crystal clear. I said, listen, your store got robbed. He goes, yeah, I know. They, they called me and told me. Uh, and what's going on? I said, well, we need her to come to the police station and make a statement. And he says, okay, well, I, I speak uh, fluent Chinese. He goes, uh, I'll pick her up tomorrow and I'll bring her to the station. And I said, oh, great. Excellent. Everybody here is okay. Uh, you know, do you do you want to talk? Do you want me to pass on a message or anything? He goes, no, no. I already took care of it. They're they're all good. Um, I'll bring her in tomorrow. Whatever. It was one o'clock. I said, okay, great. So I go about my business. I'm doing my thing. Next day, one o'clock, uh, this this guy shows up with the same young lady from the restaurant, and they come in and sit down. And I said, okay. So what I'm going to do is I'll ask a question. If she doesn't understand it, you interpret it for me. Um, and give me her answer, and I'm going to type it out. I'm going to put in my statement that you're here, that you are um, interpreting for me, this, that, and the other thing. And he says, oh, yeah, okay, good. So he shows me an ID. Now, I've seen a lot of fake IDs in my life. And I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, this doesn't look genuine. You know, what's up here? But you know what? They're a victim. So I said, uh, he asked him a few questions, and he knew the information on the license pretty well. So, okay. And he had a phone number. You know, I called him, and he answered the number. So I, I knew we could connect to him. Just something about it didn't feel right. That sixth sense, that spider sense, right? So I'm, I'm asking the questions, and every time I asked her a question, she would look over to Mr. Tony. And Mr. Tony would then answer. And after two or three questions, I said, excuse me, Tony, I appreciate it, but you're here not to answer the questions. You're here to interpret her answers for me. So when I say the question, tell her the question in Chinese so she understands it. She'll say something back to you. You tell me what she said. Why would you be answering the questions? He goes, oh, well, I went, I went over with her. I talked to her about it already. It'd be easier, right? She already told me the story. I could just tell you. I said, that's not how this works. So I'd ask a question. He would say something to her. She looked very, very nervous. She said a one or two word answer. And then he gave me a lengthy end. It was like one of those things you see in a comedy routine. You know, somebody says, uh, 
you know, hey, listen, what is this? And they say, blah, blah. And what's the answer? Well, they said on Thursday afternoon at three o'clock, uh, there were seven men walking down the street, but it was raining on that. You know, it, it didn't it didn't connect. And I'm saying, I don't know Chinese, but I know those two little words she said can't be your big answer. Goes, She's having a hard time. Uh, you know, telling you, I'm telling you, this is what she told me, and I did the best I could. So I took the rest of the statement, and I said, listen, um, here's what we need to do. I appreciate you coming all the way in, bringing her in. This is not the kind of interview that I need to have. Um, we're going to have her come back in tomorrow. Uh, same time. You can come with her again. That's fine. Uh, but I'm going to have somebody from the prosecutor's office, uh, a detective that speaks fluent Chinese. He's going to come in, uh, and he'll act as the interpreter and We'll have a secretary in here that, that can type everything. And he goes, oh, okay, same time, 1 o'clock, huh? I said, yeah, okay. So they leave. All right. Next day, 1 o'clock comes, and they don't show up. No, no young lady from the restaurant, no Mr. Tony, nothing. I call his number, and it just goes, the number is disconnected. So I started an investigation. If I, it turns out it was a burner phone, the number was on a you know burner phone is one that you can use and they throw away. It doesn't you don't have good information who it is? So he was using a burner phone. I, I thought that was weird. So I drive on over to the Chinese food store, and I walk in the front door and I look, and out of the seven or eight people who worked there that I had seen the day of the robbery, including the woman who was speaking to me, so to speak, uh, every one of them were gone. Every single one of them were gone. And I'm trying to talk to, the, to this young man behind the counter, saying, where is the crew that was here on Tuesday? And he kept saying, I don't speak English. I don't speak English. I said, the other employees, I don't speak English. I said, who is your manager? And he has a number on a, on a pad. Uh, and this had a name on it, James or something like that. And I call that number, and James says, uh, what are you talking about? The crew that was here Monday. He goes, that's the crew. He says, not the crew. Where's the young lady? Where's this Tony guy? He goes, uh, I don't know a Tony guy. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, what can I do for you, detective? Your store got robbed, and the crew that was here is no longer here. Where are they? He goes, I don't know what to tell you. That's our crew. Now, I turned this over to the prosecutor's office because that seemed to me very clear that that entire crew got whisked out of there. Mr. Tony disappeared. Now there's this James who's playing stupid. They had a burner phone. It was the understanding uh, that we came to is that all of those people working in that restaurant were there uh, as human trafficked people. They were probably convinced uh, in their home country in China that they could come to America for a great life. All they had to do was pay a fee. Uh, and when they paid the fee and they got here, the fee was... Uh, they probably didn't quite comprehend it, that they would owe $50,000 per person and they would work in the restaurant to pay it back uh, and they work for $20 a day. Well, you do the math. How long is it going to take you to pay back $50,000 at $20 a day? Basically, you are a slave in that restaurant and that's what this was. Uh, and I know it was taken over then by state police and then federal agencies got involved and they're trying to find it and it, guess what? It's not the only one. There are tons and tons of those kind of things. Uh, I worked a, uh, a prostitution sting where there were uh, Russian girls who were the prostitutes, and they lived in this uh, above this storefront where they did their business, uh, and they lived there. And they were they worked from 10 o'clock in the morning till 12 o'clock at night. They never left the place. 
uh, and we we ended up doing a surveillance on it, and it was obviously, um, you know, prostitution. That's why we we're doing the the investigation, and we found a guy who lived in a very very high end town in New Jersey, far away. He would come every day with clean sheets, take away the dirty ones, and drop off food for the women that were in there. Uh, we ended up arresting him. We ended up doing a raid on his house. Uh, turns out that these girls were all brought here under the same kind of pretenses, that they were going to be models and have a great life in America. And once they got here, uh, you know, they were told, well, you owe us $100,000 each. And they said, well, no, we, we paid 5000 when we left Russia. And they said, yeah, that was just the entry fee. Now you owe us $100,000 and you'll, you know, you'll pay it back at $10 a day. You'll work as a prostitute from 10 in the morning till midnight uh, every day of your life till you pay that back. Well, this guy ended up giving up the bigger organization, and we got some of them, but we didn't get all of them. And all of these uh, women that were in there were human trafficked, and they were slaves. This happens everywhere. So I just wanted to add that because Miss Kathy said to me, don't forget, tell the stories. Tell the stories about it. So that was my, my experience, and I had others, but we'll, we'll leave it at that for now. All right, so we saw FBI Director Ray was called in front of Congress, and you say, oh, now, how many times do we see these slippery politicians? And he's a politician, even though he's running the FBI. He's a politician. He's appointed. He was appointed by Trump, and uh, Trump took advice from, of all people, Chris Christie, uh, that this guy was a good guy. And, and Ray went in there, and of course, he, he's he's not been a good guy. Um, he's weaponized the FBI. Uh, he's on the side of the the left, clearly. Um, but you think you would you would say to them, hey, listen, here's what we're going to talk about. Any of these people, any of them that are subpoenaed in front of Congress, any of these committees, you should be given a list with your subpoena. Here's the things we're going to talk about. Here's the things you should know about when you get here, since you run this organization or you run this or you have some important position here. Because what they do, they also think, oh, I don't have those facts in front of me. I'm not sure of those numbers. Um, I'm not really sure about that at this moment. You know, sitting here, I don't, you know, enough. Here's what I want to know about. And make sure you come with all of these documents. Make sure you come with whoever you need to bring with you to have that information at hand. Here's what we're going to talk about. Uh, that's what I would do. Now, maybe they do that, but it doesn't seem very effective. Um, doesn't seem very effective at all when they do that. But no matter how you break it up, it's the weaponization of the FBI. And from what I understand, uh, looking at the testimony, they were talking about uh, Jim Jordan's asking them, are you protecting the Bidens? Are you protecting the Bidens? And no, no, we would never. We don't protect the Bidens. We are right down the... doesn't matter. We investigate wherever the chips uh, fall. Well, then how come it looks like you're protecting the Bidens? How come this whistleblower just got indicted? You know, the one who's going up against the Bidens. Uh, but... You know, he got indicted, but uh, Hunter and his laptop information hasn't been indicted. He won't say if they're investigating. How come Joe Biden's house wasn't raided when he had classified, and he had no right to have them at all? He wasn't the president. He was the vice president and a senator. But yet he had classified documents all over his house in several different places that were inappropriate. But he didn't get raided. Hillary Clinton, who had no right to have classified documents on a private server or in her house or anywhere else, they didn't raid her house. They raided Trump, 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 Trump. We can raid Trump. We can indict Trump. We'll go after Trump. But we don't go after these people on the left. We show up at people uh, that are associated with Donald Trump that are, are wanted uh, for some crime, some uh, process crime. We show up with frogmen and helicopters and 52 agents with machine guns. But we don't do that 
um, to to Joe Biden. We don't do that to Hillary Clinton. We don't do that to the whole host of Democrats who have done things. Why is that? How does how come it looks like that? What's the difference, right? So the weaponization is, is a big thing, and it is a problem. It is a danger because you know what? It's a two-tiered justice, and we've all heard this. It's a, but what does that really mean? That means if they come after you, you're done. You can't fight them. You can hardly fight a traffic ticket. You can't fight the government if they decide to target you. right? And they, they very well might do it. Now, when it comes to crime, um, I do see, we, we see the out-of-control crime all based on policy. Crime is based on the policies of a community, whatever they may be. If, if you're soft on crime, people will commit crime. This is a, a reality, a, a truth of human, human beings. There are a certain number of us across the board in our population, doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, your race, your creed, your color, your skin tone, doesn't matter, any of it. There's a certain number of us across the board who are criminals and will commit crime if given the opportunity. And that's what they do. Now, this percentage you could probably say is 20% of, of all of us, of, of everybody in this country, committing crime. Well, when you make it clear to those people that are prone to commit crime, right, the criminals amongst us, that you're not going to process them, you're not going to go after them, you're not going to hold them accountable, they don't go, well, you know what, since people are not arresting me, I think I won't commit crime no more. No, that's not what they say. Instead, they go, suckers, and they go out and they commit more crime. And that's why we see this rise in crime. I've said this a hundred times, I'll say it again, the only uh, thing that protects a, a society from crime is aggressive, proactive police work. Highly trained, highly skilled law enforcement officers, men and women to go out there, uh, uncover criminal activity, and prosecute those who are committing it. We should all just follow the rules, be nice to each other, uh, and do the right thing in life. And if we did that, it would be wonderful, right? We didn't have to do all this other stuff. So. In the, the District of Columbia, our capital, uh, crime has been rising and rising and rising, and it's extremely dangerous. Now, people have been complaining about it, but the press has been making excuses. The mayor and the town council in Washington, D.C. have made excuses that it's just a perception. It's not real. You're not really more danger here. It's really until uh, it has gotten so completely out of control that recently uh, the mayor of uh, Washington, D.C., and the town council, or whatever they call the board, whatever, uh, they have decided to enact an emergency crime bill. And basically, this emergency crime bill uh, gives judges the power to hold people in jail in lieu of their trials. Uh, it, holds, it, it allows for more uh, proactive police activity. Uh, so that people can be protected. It enhances, I love this, this was great. It enhances the penalties for murder, strangulation, and sexual assault. Yeah, I would hope we didn't have any of those things going on, but since we have to enhance the penalties because there's so much murder, strangulation, and sexual assault going on, that uh, we have to do something now. So this is the spring back effect that I think you're going to start seeing more and more as it gets worse and worse. Because really, what's the choice? Either you go after this crime, you try and slow it down and stop it, reverse this terrible, terrible trend, or you're going to have to live with this crime and eventually you're going to be victimized. Uh, and that could be. Maybe you get strangled. Maybe you get stabbed. Maybe you get murdered. Maybe you get raped. Maybe your stuff gets stolen, right? Um, this is the inevitable end of soft on crime. It is not racist to go after criminals, no matter who they are. 
right? No matter who they are, everybody should follow the law and leave each other alone. Don't hurt the neighbors. Don't steal. Don't rob and rape. And if we would all just uh, mind those uh, mind those rules, we wouldn't have these problems, right? So when they they throw this up at you that it's racist, it's racist to do law enforcement. It's not racist. Right? Police go where the crime is, and if everyone would just do the right thing, it wouldn't matter. Right? They go where the crime is, and in some neighborhoods, some communities are overwhelmingly attacked by crime, and it's not fair. These are American citizens. We are all brothers and sisters here, and none of us should have to live under the fear of crime. And by stepping away from proactive, aggressive law enforcement, we are allowing thousands and thousands of our fellow citizens of all different races and backgrounds, we are allowing them to be victimized by crime. And that is not right. So we should go after crime wherever we find it. And that is my thought on that. Um, so the other thing that, that I see happening out there, and this is, you know, I, I've, I've lamented before that our friends on the left, they stick together. They stick together. They circle the wagons, right, wrong, or indifferent. They don't matter. Uh, if they have to lie about something, they lie about it, and they all lie about it. If they have to uh, uh, make up something, they make it up. If they have to cover up, they cover it up, and they all stay together. They, they do not break ranks, unlike uh, our friends on the right, our Republicans. They, they are sometimes feckless. They have no backbone. They want to be friends. They embarrass themselves with their nonsense. Uh, so this defense bill, there's a defense bill that they're working on now, trying to find money for defense. And apparently they were like, uh, somebody writes a law, here's the potential law, and they put it up, and then everyone in the Congress can can add amendments. You know, I want to add this, I want to add that to the bill, we should include this. And then they go through the process, try and hammer it down to something they all agree on. Well, with this defense bill, apparently there was like 1,499 amendments or something like that. And the Republicans said, we should table this bill right now, because we can't seem to come to a consensus. Because there's a lot of concern on the part of the Republicans, and I think it's righteously concerned, that they want to take the woke elements uh, out of the defense spending bill. Uh, all of this, uh, this, this concentration on things other than having the most powerful, potent, deadly military in the entire world that is prepared to defend us anywhere on the globe at a moment's notice, anything other than that, should be eliminated. Now, does that mean that if we see that there are instances of inappropriate behavior, we shouldn't go after it? No, we should. And uh, the, the military code of justice covers this. And if you find that there's a commander who is racist, that commander should be brought up on charges and removed. Uh, it's as simple as that. If you find a commander that is treating uh, male or female um, soldiers, airmen, uh, marines, uh, inappropriately, they should be arrested, removed from their position, um, court-martialed, and suffer the penalties. Right? We already have laws on the books to make sure that our military is fair. When we have instances to show people are treated inappropriately, we should attack that aggressively. All this other stuff, all this social engineering, does not belong in the military. I'm not saying that some of this stuff is not is not good. You know, looking at the world a different way, seeing people in a different way, being more tolerant of things. But that is not the purpose of the military. The military is there so that when we need someone 
to go someplace to protect us. They are ready and prepared. And all of this stuff, all this woke stuff that they're adding, all that does is divide our troops amongst themselves. Like Just like it divides our society. Look how divided our society is over all this stuff. Well, you need these men and women that are in the military service to be a cohesive unit. Their only goal should be that they are red, white, and blue, and that they are there to protect America and vanquish America's enemies. That is all they should be worrying about day and night. Anything else takes away from their mission, and that's the problem. Uh, so this defense bill, and again, these Republicans tabled it because they can't get together. How about we just get together and say, uh, we agree we're going to follow the rules uh, that are already in place, and if anybody treats anybody improperly, we'll totally investigate it and hold everyone accountable. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get back to the business of uh, protecting the country, right? That's what I think they should do. Whether they will or not, I don't know. Um, but anyway, when we look... Um, Again, there's a lot of crime and punishment in the area. How about the TSA, the Transportation Security Administration? This was set up after 9-11 to protect us from more psychopathic terrorists uh, taking control of airplanes and killing us, flying us into buildings and crashing us into fields and, and using the airplanes as weapons. So what do we do now? We, we go through these TSA lines to make sure nobody's carrying a weapon. And we, they catch, they find a lot of weapons. Now, most of the weapons that they're finding are idiots who have a concealed carry permit and they fail, fail to declare it. Or they put their gun in their carry-on instead of putting it properly in the, uh, in the underbelly of the airplane, in their luggage, and they don't declare it properly. Uh, they're carrying a weapon they shouldn't have. Now, that's pretty much the people that they're catching. So in the meantime, we have to be um, slowed down in the lines. We have to be inconvenienced. Um, I think it's funny that they have a TSA pre where you can pay money to get sped up through the line. Um, and really, TSA, pre, you, they do a background on you is what it is. They do a background. They find out that, hey, you're okay. You're not a terrorist. You're not a dangerous person. So therefore, you walk up to the short line, show them your TSA pre thing, and uh, right through the line you go. And you get on an airplane. It's akin to when you would go to Disneyland and you would pay, you know, $180 for a ticket for your five-year-old. But if you wanted your five-year-old to actually get on any rides, you had to pay a, an easy pass kind of a thing, uh, an extra 150 so you could actually go to the front of the line and get on the lines. Uh, that seems absurd to me. Um, and so does this. Um, our TSA should be there. Um, I don't want to get on a plane without my weapon thinking that there's potentially people on there with a weapon, okay? That's, that, that's just the bottom line. Um, but all of this, uh, you know, everyone should be able to get cleared through a TSA, and then you have, everyone goes in a fast line. Let's bring in 100 more agents per place, make more lines so we can get through faster, right? We have the places to go. Uh, I have to show up three hours early to stand in line, and I don't like it. I do like being protected, but I don't like standing in line. And the reason that this came up is I saw a story, um, three TSA agents in Miami uh, were, you know, in that long line as they're going through your stuff, looking through your underwear, taking your shoes off, were stealing things out of the uh, things that you were putting through the metal detectors and all that. There was three people, uh, they were caught. Uh, they went through one guy's wallet, you know, you put your wallet in the thing, they took $600 out of the guy's wallet. Uh, they were stealing pieces of jewelry, all kinds of things, and they were arrested and locked up. And I'm glad they were. You know, they're uh, they're bad people. Uh, 
they treated us badly. Um, so there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of punishment out there. And I, uh, I think, you know, bringing these things up is appropriate for this program uh, to make us aware of these things. But uh, support your TSA. Uh, I just think the, the process should be done differently for us. And, and that's what I wanted to say about that. So there you go. Uh, and the last thing we're going to talk about here, um, Moms for Liberty. Now, Moms for Liberty are a, a group of moms who are standing up for their parental rights. And they don't want schools doing things with their children, teaching their children things that they don't think are correct. Moms and dads have a right over what is taught to their children. Uh, if your community wants to teach them about uh, playing basketball, if your community wants to teach them about playing tennis, if your community wants to teach them how to basket weave, that's what your community wants to do, and that's fine. If mine doesn't want to do that, then they shouldn't do it. So this Moms for Liberty, we're going to talk more about them in the near future, but they're being maligned and they're being treated like a terrorist group, and this is a problem. This is another downfall in, uh, in truth and justice here in our country. So, my friends, we've come to the end of another power-packed episode. I do love being here with you, and we will be back shortly. So, hey, listen, until we do get together, remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.